it. I want to share with you dreams, dreams. And some of you guys are like, yes, I hate dreams. I'm being taunted by them. Some of you are like, yes, I love dreams. They're pretty fun. Dreams for me are, depends which ones are good and some are bad. How many of you here have dreams? Because I've met people that say, you know, I've never had a dream. I don't know how they could live on with life without ever having a dream. Like, seriously? You've never had one dream? Okay, how many of you have had a dream here before? Okay, so the majority of you guys. That's cool. That's cool. Thank you. All right, we're done with today's service. <laughs> Dreams. Now, you just raised your hand, almost, almost, because there are some people that don't have dreams, and we respect and love you even though you don't have any dreams. Don't worry about it. But those that raise their hands because they have dreams, how many of you like dreams, like having dreams? Okay, maybe like 25% of the ones that originally raised their hand. Hey, are you guys still with me? I just started. I got about 45 minutes more. Don't get lost on me. All right, so, so about 25% uh, after you all raised your hand said, I do. I like the dreams. Now, dreams, they could be either good or they could be bad. Depends. Um, the truth is, I've had some good dreams and I've had some bad dreams. Now, you could probably relate to me. You could probably say, yeah, yeah, Pastor, I got you. Have you ever had a bad dream about someone? Come on, listen now. And as you had a bad dream about this someone or someones, you begin to look at them differently. Anyone there ever been there? And you begin to judge them according to the content of that dream. How many of you have done that? Can you raise your hand just so I can make sure I'm not the only crazy one up here? All right, about seven of you. Now watch this. I've had that happen to me. I've had that happen to me. Welcome, baby Briella, in the house. Amen. I've had that happen to me where I've had a dream about someone and I see them the next day. It could be my very own wife. Yeah. I have bad dreams sometimes about Nancy, man. She's here today. I think she's, the, oh, she's sitting in the sanctuary today. I just want you to know what just happened. I'm speaking about her. She looked at me and went, Okay, I've had bad dreams about Nancy. I'll just say it. I'll be a man. And, and you wake up the next day and you just look at her in the bed and say, did you? It happens. You go to work. You had a dream about your boss. And the next day you see them and you start thinking that that's who they are. That's what they did. That's what they've done. And you start thinking all these things about the dream that you just had. And then you got to get to a place where you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was just a dream. I, I can't think like that about this person. I'm sure some of you have done that before. Maybe not to that extent and so passionate. But I'm sure you've done it before. I'm sure you have. And then vice versa, you've had good dreams. And then you think, well, of that person. Oh, why can't you be anything like your dream? And they're not sometimes. I wrote this down. And I want to share it with you. And if you're taking notes, write down everything that I say that is godly. Everything that is not just, don't write it. But everything that is from God, write it. And watch this. Tell me if this does not make sense to you. A dream has the potential to influence your reality. It does. It certainly does. How come you're treating me so bad? Well, if you only knew the dream I had about you last night. That's why I'm treating you so bad. I need to talk to you because I just had this dream, and I want to know if this dream is real, because if this dream is real, I'm going to knock you out right now. It has the potential to influence your reality. And we've probably all gone through that in the physical where we've experienced something like this. But listen now, it makes, it makes just as much sense in the spiritual that it affects our reality dreams. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. I'm not going to necessarily talk to you um, about the dimensions of the physical dreams and what they mean. And I'm not going to sit here and call on you and ask you what dream have you had lately. And I'm going to prophesy to you what those dreams mean. But what I want to talk to you about today is the spiritual dreams that God has put in your life because you and I 
have studied passages before in this very own church on a Sunday morning, passages like Psalm 23, verse 7, that says, So as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. And we've read scripture like that, have we not? And, and scripture tells us that as you think and as you believe and even, let's change that around a little bit, and as you dream, as you envision, so are you. You know, in the spiritual, or, or to make more sense, I won't, I won't use the word spiritual because I know that we use the word spiritual at times if you're like, oh, the spiritual. But let's just be real. In the faith walk, can, can I say that? In the faith walk, you can think and you can dream a certain way, and, and, and listen, because I'm just introducing this to you first. And as you dream a certain way, have you ever noticed this? You'll start believing in that certain way, huh? You start dreaming about something, and then you start believing about what you're dreaming about in the spiritual, in the, in the, in the faith walk. Why is that so? I truly believe this, because your dream is tied to your faith. I'm going to explain that to you today. Your dream is tied to your faith. Let me tell you something. As a believer, I'm getting carried away. I knew I was going to do this. But I have a dream, and I have dreams in my life. And I'm going to tell you why I have dreams. Ready? Because there's a faith that is rooted deep in my heart. I'm not telling you that I'm seeing visions and seeing dreams. I'm talking about God has instilled a dream in my spirit. Anyone here? That's because of the faith that I have in my Christ. And then according to the way you start believing, have you noticed this? Then you start living it out. And you live out a certain way. It all starts from the beginning. You dream. You begin to believe. And you begin to live out. You begin to live out. As a man thinketh, so is he. He begins to do what he begins to think. Because that's what he believes, who he is. Come on, someone. And what I'm talking to you is that. That we could just rewind from who you are because of what you believe, but because of the dream that's inside of you. Some people have such messed up dreams in them that it's causing them to believe false things about their very own selves. That is the reason why they're living the lives that they're living. If we could just rewind the tape and get back to the root of the problem, that where is your faith? Where is the dream and the vision and the word that God has spoken deeply in your heart that is causing you to believe a certain way that then makes you live a certain way? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk about fixing that area of our lives. You know, when you walk with someone who has a dream, you're going to notice something. You'll see that they'll begin to, just, just tell me if you've ever had this. You've ever walked with a successful businessman. You've ever walked with a very joyous person. You've ever walked with somebody who said, there's something different about this person. You, you might realize this. You walk with someone who has a dream, you will see that they begin to live they begin to think and believe as if they are fulfilling that dream. You're like looking at them, and you're like, this guy's kind of crazy. And they begin to live in this dream that, not that they're crazy in a sense that they just lost it, but they're so fixed on their drive that you walk with them and say, that person's going to get somewhere. That person thinks a little bit different than me. That person's a little bit more positive than me, you know. I started to think about myself preparing messages. You know, I never prepare a message with two in attendance or 20 in attendance or 200 in attendance. I have a bigger dream than that. Every time I prepare a message, I prepare it with 2,000 in attendance, with 20,000 in attendance. Come on. 
with 200,000 in attendance. You might look at me and say, you are crazy. Pastor, you're going to say, no, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. And you're not going to steal that dream away from me. Now, my question to you is, is there a dream in you? And, and I'm going to break this down as we go today. Now, when you walk with someone who has no dream, let's talk about this. Ever walked with someone who doesn't have a dream in them? Doesn't have any vision? Doesn't have no vision for their lives? I don't know. I guess God loves me. What? Uh, I guess I'll never get healed. What? I guess my son was never going to... What? Where's your vision? Where's your dream? You ever walk with someone that has no dream? You'll see that they're defeated. They can't see a better future. These people will stay there until the day that they die, most likely, the people without a dream. Can, can I just be honest with you? These kind of individuals, most likely, these are the ones that are putting down the ones with a dream. You've ever met someone like that? Just put down all the other Christians. That Christian's this, that Christian's that, that Christian's that one, that Christian's this. And they put all these different preachers and all these different Christians in different categories. He's a real godly preacher and he's a false godly preacher. And it's just like, shut up. You know, stop judging people so much. Where are you? And, and you see people that don't have a dream, and one thing that they're really good at is knocking on the ones that have a dream for themselves. And these people most likely are them. They're the ones that say things like this. Ready? Follow along with me. Come on. You're going to like this. The, the, those people, they're just positive people. Well, that's a feel-good believer. They say things like this. Well, I don't know. They just always focus on hope, grace, prosperity, love, goodwill, faith, and victory at all times. And the truth is, no. The truth is, you have no dreams, so you're just negative, always feeling bad, lost, neglected sinner, poor, filled with hatred, evil, faithless, and defeated human being. That's the truth. Are you guys with me or not? We have so many people that all they do is look bad into everyone else. And they don't focus on what's in them and say, let me get my life right. Let me see what God is speaking to me. And some of those people inside, they just, it reminds me of, um, it reminds me of like, kind of like the, the Pharisees, remember? We're good, we're excellent, we're awesome. Not one problem's with us. And Jesus is like, what? Woe to you, danger to you. You are white. Your man with dead man's bones inside, whitewashed tombs, your filthy, your outward appearance is beautiful, but your insides is rotten. And you read scripture like that, like, yo, I don't ever want to be that person. The person that looks great, but inside, they smell, they rot, they stink. Do not point fingers, do not look at anyone. But do you know someone like that? Do you know people like that? Okay, where's their dream? Where's their vision of themselves? Who are they really? You know, we've studied the scripture here many times, Proverbs 29, 18, if you're taking notes, and you already know where I'm going. Proverbs 29, 18, what is it? Where there is no vision, King James says it this way, the people what? Like that right there, shocker, warning, get ready, uh, highlight this verse, apply it to your life. Where there is no vision, people perish. But happy, man, he who keeps the law, happy is that person, happy is he. But the one where there is no dream, where there is no vision, people like that, they perish. You know, Helen Keller, we all know who Helen Keller is. That's her braille, blind woman. Helen Keller once said this. Tell me if this is not an amazing quote. I don't know if they're going to put it up. But watch this quote. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Can you imagine that? Can we admit today that there are too many, maybe of us in here today, that see but have no vision? 
We see, we have sight that God has blessed us with a ministry, but we don't have vision of that ministry reaching the nations. You guys are alive? Okay, we, we see that God has blessed us with children, but we don't have vision of our children being used by God who keeps them and will use them for his glory. We see God has blessed us with marriage, but we don't vision that marriage being lit and edified and built up as a testimony of God's love. I wonder how many of us that are here, at least today, are walking with the Lord and yet have no vision in their lives, have no dreams, and seeing themselves at a better place, being used by God. You know, many times as Christians we say things like, Oh, well, we're living in Christ, and the truth is, reality, it looks more like we're dying in Christ. I've seen that. I've looked at the mirror, and I said, there's nothing living about Regal. Everything about Regal looks like it smells, and it's dying. I don't know if you could be honest like that about yourself today. You get discouraged. You're dissatisfied with who you become. Where's my life headed? I don't even know where I'm going to be doing them all. Who knows what the future holds? One person says this, dissatisfaction and discouragement are not caused by the absence of things, but the absence of vision. That's good. See, I, don't, I, don't, I want to have a vision, and I want to know what his vision is in my life, because I want to be satisfied in Christ. I want to be encouraged in Jesus Christ, and I don't want to be absent of a vision, because Proverbs says, a person without vision perishes, and I want to live in Christ Jesus. I want to be active. I want to be powerful. I want to move some mountains. I want to do some glorious things for Jesus Christ. Church, how about you? How about you? I hope you can catch a vision, a revelation, a word that the Lord has put for you and given you that will shape you to the person that he's calling you to be. I really do hope. George Washington Carver, check out this quote. Look what he says. Where there is no vision, listen, there is no hope. That's good. Where there is no vision, there, right there, is no hope. Well, we know that scripture because we says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, there the people die. And he's saying where there is no vision, there we lack hope. How about if we change this around? Can we say this then? Where there is vision, the people live. Where there is a dream, the people keep going. So my question to you, church, is this. Are your dreams affecting the potential of your reality? Have a dream. Have a vision. Dream today. Why? Why, pastor? Because it might better your tomorrow. If you could just catch a dream. If you could just catch. If it, I'm not talking about put dream catchers on your car. Put it around your neck. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into that philosophy. I'm talking about if you open this book enough times and you start reading it and you start applying it to your lives and you start looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, he'll give you a dream to walk on. You might, I'm telling you, he might give you a word and you might walk on water. Peter, you want to see something pretty cool? Something you've always dreamed of doing, walk. And Peter starts walking on water. You never know what Jesus can do in you. I'm telling you today, have a vision. Dream big. Might do something for you tomorrow. George Barna. His research group has they define the word vision and having a dream. Look how they look at it as. It's a reflection of what God wants to accomplish through you to build his kingdom. A reflection of what God wants to accomplish through us to build his kingdom. Do you believe this today? Do you believe this today that, that the Lord wants to accomplish something, something through me? 
The Lord wants to use me to build up his kingdom. He wants me to be a part of this thing. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this will flip you out like in a month. When you're down and you're in a valley and your whole world is crumbling, you're going to open up this notebook and you're going to remember this. Ready? The Lord wants to use me in this thing called his kingdom. That's big news. That, that should have gotten at least at one amen. But that's big news. That's big news. Because you know very well that nothing in you is worthy and deserves to be used for the kingdom, for the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of us could admit that today? But yet, but yet, he wants me. He wants to accomplish things through me. He wants me to be part of this thing of glorifying him. That's pretty awesome, pretty honorable. All right, here we go. Dream bigger, dream bigger, dream bigger. Why? Because you might achieve bigger. So with that, I want to give you three points, the three A's. Write this down. John Maxwell, if you've ever read any of John Maxwell's books, you might have seen this before. John Maxwell looks at dreams, vision as three things. Write these three things down. Number one, he talks about awareness. You can write that. Number two, he talks about another A, attitude. And then number three, he talks about action. We're going to talk real quick about awareness, attitude, and action. Here we go. As John Maxwell breaks down the three A's, I want to talk about these three A's. And next to awareness, if you could write this down, the word awareness, what does it mean? Well, it means this, the ability to see. If you're taking notes, write that. Awareness. To have a dream, we need to be aware. We need to have the ability to see. Listen, without a dream, without vision, we will lack the ability to see who we can become in Christ. And guess what? That affects what you can do in Christ and who you could reach in Christ. If you first don't know who you are in Christ. Oh, I want to reach people. I want to touch my family. I want to do these great things for the Lord. I'm like, amen. But do you even know who you are in Jesus? No. So how do you expect to do that? Because one fiery dart from the enemy will come. And you're going to forget about everyone you love. You're going to forget about everyone you want to reach. And you're going to forget about doing great things with Jesus. If you don't have a foundation to stand on and say, but this is who I am in Jesus, regardless of how many darts come flying my way. You guys get me? As a, as a preacher, uh, I'll just, who cares? As a preacher, uh, We'll, we'll get text messages or phone calls or emails saying all the things that we are and we're not. So you'll get things like, you don't preach the Bible enough, okay? What do you mean? I open scripture all the time. You're just a feel-good preacher. You obviously don't go to my church because I, I have times I never let anyone feel good, okay? Um, I just, it's weird. I try. I actually practice from the mirror to be a feel-good preacher. I'd rather be more a feel-good preacher than what I am, but I can't. It's hard. And, and, and I just get them. And, you know, those things could discourage you. You know, you know you're, really, you're really not making too much of an impact. And, you know, you just hear the, you hear the most stupidest things from people that call themselves brothers and sisters, you know, in the Lord. And you just have to look at them in the eyes and just, like, swallow and say, I still love you, brother. I still love you, sister. You know, we'll, we'll get text messages, you know, you know, Pastor Rigo and Pastor Nancy or, or emails, you know, you guys really fail as pastors because you suck at this area. And we're like, I know. And we'll probably stink at a whole bunch more. But can I be honest with you guys? That's going to happen to all of us, not just me. And if you don't have a dream, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a foundation, you're going to crumble into pieces because you're going to care more about what people say 
than what God has already said about you. You gotta have a dream, man. Because those emails, you know what happens to them? They get deleted real quick. Real quick. Those phone calls, you know what happens to them? They get hung up on real quick. Real quick. Let me tell you why. Because I don't stand for what people say about me. I stand before a holy God, and I want to know what he says about me. There's a dream in my life. Dream in my life. So John Maxwell says the first one is awareness. You know, we look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. Paul speaking to Philippi. As he speaks to the church, we, we know the scripture. Come on, you know it. We know it. Paul is, Paul is doing what? For I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances are, I've learned. I know what it is to be in need, Paul says. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, not the secret, like He's not talking about the secret that was just invented that everyone's on. The secret is Jesus. There's no book. There's no person. There's no motivational speaker. Jesus is the secret to all men. Amen? And he's no longer a secret. He's like known already. It's Jesus Christ. So, so here, let's just get that right back into the scripture. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Look what he says. Whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I'm in want, and then this scripture just blows my mind. You know who got um, persecuted for this scripture? Our boy Tim. Poor Tim Tebow. I don't like the Gators, but I like Tim Tebow. Okay? Tim Tebow has a, I know, Lou, forgive me. I love you, Lou. I know, I know, I know. But watch this. Tim Tebow wrote it on, under his eye. Philippians 4.13. The NCAA football says, no more. Are you allowed to write scripture on those black things under your eyes anymore because you can't quit? Shut up. He has a dream in him. Come on. You think if the NCAA bans you writing scripture on your face? Watch this. They'll never be able to ban you writing it in your heart. Oh, wow. You took it away from Tim Tebow's face? Who cares? He has it in his heart. What's greater? If he has it on his face, if he wears it on a shirt, if he wears it on a dog tag, or if he wears it in his heart. So, so here... He gets criticized, and here's Paul. And Paul says, I've gone through a lot. I've gone through good times, bad times. I've been hungry, I've been fed. I've been in need, and I've had everything. But then verse 13 blows my mind. He says this, I can do all things. I can, through Jesus Christ, do all things who gives me strength. I can. See, to understand why Paul said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, I've learned the secret to be content in every situation, you need to look at the resume of his trials that he endured through to understand that scripture. Can I share the, the resume with you? Did you even know that Paul wrote his resume in the Bible? Where is it? See if anyone knows it. Rudy, be quiet. You have the notes in front of you. You can't say it. No one knows. Okay, that's good. Neither did I. I just learned it yesterday. Here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He gives you his resume. And as you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at Paul's resume. Ready? You guys ready? Say ready. ready. Say it louder. Ready. ready. All right, I'm going to share it. All right, watch this. Paul's resume, he says this, that he was put in prison over and over. He was beaten. He uses the word flogged severely an uncounted number of times. He faced death over and over. His resume is pretty big. It keeps going. He received 39 lashes from the Jews five times. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned one time. He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a day and night in the sea. 
and was in continual danger from rivers and robbers and his very own people, the Gentiles. He was in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, and even from false brothers. He was weary and in pain often and without sleep often. He was also often hungry and thirsty. He was cold and naked, he says, and he was continually concerned throughout all this, constantly worried, 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 worried about the health of all the churches that are being planted. Hey, pretty good resume. Anyone have a resume like that? Paul could write some things down and have some power and authority after reading those resumes, after reading that resume. And I just read all that to you that is found in 2 Corinthians verse 11, chapter 11. And after I just read all that chunk of resume of trials that Paul has endured, yet in all of that, he brings it to the forefront. Come on, just catch me. And what does he say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Someone like that has to have a dream in them that allows him to keep going. That all those things in his resume of trials did not break him down and kill him. For him to say, I've gone through all these things, but yet, and with a smile on face, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man. What's going on with Paul? Paul had an awareness. He had the ability to see how the Lord was using him and going to continue to use him when it almost seemed impossible to see it. All because he had a vision, a man who dreamed. Check this out. Paul always saw the big picture. Paul never became, listen, what his circumstances tried to shape him into. He became what he dreamed he was in Jesus Christ. How many of you, how many of us become shaped by our circumstances, and not shaped by our Savior. Come on, can we just be honest in the house of God? How many of us? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm thinking 100% of hands might go up. Yeah. Something crucial happens. You become a different person. The circumstances made you that way? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? It's a dream that Christ puts in us, a vision, a revelation that comes from above. And for Paul, he understood this. Paul got it. And when did this happen, Pastor? When, when did Paul get this? Does anyone want to guess that one? When did Paul catch this revelation? Come on, someone could shoot it. We're in church. We could have a good time. Acts chapter 9. You want to know what road he was on? On the road to Damascus. Anyone want to guess what Paul was on the way of doing? We did a whole year in Acts. Paul was on the way to go arrest and persecute who? Christians. And God says, stop. You go no more from here. That happened on that road. And not only through on that road, but also in his confrontation with Ananias. I'm going to get to my second point. As we jump in and we jump out of number one awareness, listen. Has God given you a dream? A vision that has made you aware that you are greater than you could ever be when you are in Jesus Christ, your Lord. Listen, there is no greater you if there's not a Christ in you. You guys get me? There is not a better life now if it's not found in Jesus. A better life now and a greater you is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? 
Awareness, do you see it? Can you apply that? Has he given you a vision? Paul understood this. Paul had an awareness. Paul saw the big picture. And he describes this to King Agrippa at the end of his life in Acts chapter 26, if you could turn there. And in Acts 26, he's being put to trial. He's about to face death. He's about to be killed. And I need you to catch what happens with Paul as he's being persecuted for living out the dreams that God has given him. It says this in verse 16. He says, I just had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus some time back. So King Agrippa, I know I'm standing before you because you don't like this Jesus that I now represent. But you see, in Acts chapter 9, King Agrippa, it really doesn't describe what happened to me that day. So King Agrippa, I really want to share with you what really happened to me in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. Can I share that with you, King Agrippa? King Agrippa's like, share with me everything, right? So verse 15, he says, so I was there walking, right? I was there, and this whole voice and this light shone. And look what he said to me, ready? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus said this to me, King Agrippa. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which will yet be revealed to you. Can I, can I ask you a question? Stop. What is Jesus doing to him? He's giving him a what? Huh? Giving him a vision. He's giving him a vision of a Paul that Paul has never seen. I'm going to do what? I'm a killer. I'm a murderer. I'm going to go arrest some of your people. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm taking that vision out. I'm going to give you better dreams. I'm going to make you a minister of mine. I'm going to give you purpose. And I'm going to make you stand before kings. What is he doing? He's instilling a dream. Are you guys catching that? It's not done, though. Watch this. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles whom I'm going to send you to. Look at 18. You will what? Open their what? You know what that means? There are people who are blind. They can't get saved. But through your ministry, people will begin to get what? He's giving them vision. Shoot, Jesus tells me that. Let's go. Go to the worst neighborhood. Let's do it. Where do you want to go? Imagine Jesus stopping you, light shining, a voice speaking to you, and revealing this vision to you. And then he says this. You're going to open up their eyes so that you could turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and that they would receive an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul's like, King Agrippa, I don't know what to tell you. You want to put me on the chopping block? Put me on the chopping block. You want me to stop preaching? It's never going to happen. I have a dream and a vision that is more powerful and greater then your threats to try to kill me. You can't take away my vision. You could tell me to stop wearing the t-shirt. You could tell me to stop wearing the chain. You could tell me to stop wearing the black thing under my eyes that says Philippians 4.13. But you'll never be able to take the vision that is in my heart. You'll never be able to take the dream out of my heart, King Agrippa. Here I am standing before you. That's what God gave me, and that's what I have to confess to you. But Paul doesn't end there. You know what's the, mo- the best statement and the best verse out of this passage? Check this out. Verse 19. Follow the next verse. Ready? So therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the, to the 
heavenly vision. He said, I know you're powerful. I know you're great and mighty. I know you have the authority to kill me right now. I know that what you says goes here on earth. He says, but King Agrippa, I will choose and I will continue to choose to be obedient to the vision from heaven that I've received. That's a dream. That's a vision that man wasn't able to stop. Notice Paul, his awareness of his vision, his awareness of his dream. Come on, listen. Began to shape his number two, his attitude. Because the minute that you have an awareness of the dream that God has given you, it will begin to shape the attitude of who you used to be to who you are now becoming. So number two, attitude. What does that have to do with? This has to do with the faith to believe. The faith to believe. In Matthew 17, 20, as we talk about attitude, the scripture says that Jesus tells the followers, he says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, and if it was just the size of a what church? Yeah, mustard seed, the smallest seed you could find. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, and I love this next statement, nothing would be impossible for you. If you could just have that faith, if you could just have that attitude to believe, believe what the Lord has said for you. Oh, nothing, nothing would be impossible. You know, I started to think as I grabbed this next point, attitude, and guess what I thought about? I thought about none other than Abraham. Why Abraham? Because Abraham was fine. Abraham was happy. Abraham was retired. I'm 100 years old. Leave me alone. I don't want any problems with anyone. I don't want to build one more house. I don't want to travel one more journey. I am so comfortable right now. I don't want anyone to bother me. And God says, really? Really? You're done with your life? You're done with it? He says, Abraham, I'm going to visit you. And I have a greater dream for you than you could ever imagine, even at your old age. And Abraham's like, what is it? He's like, you're going to have children. I've never had a child. My wife can't have any kids. Like, you'll see. You're going to have a child. From you, many nations will come out. Kind of like the stars. Look up. That's a lot of stars. Just like that. Look down by the sea. Took them on a mountain. See all that sand? That's a lot of sand. He goes, just like that. I'm giving you a lot of descendants. And Abraham's like, man, that's a lot. At my old age, that's a lot. Abraham believed in his dream. As a matter of fact, there was one point where the Lord says, get up. Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm good. I'm retired. Don't bother me, Lord. Get up. Trust me, I'm good. What does the Lord tell him? Pack your bags. Get your whole crew ready. Get your family ready. All your servants ready. Get all your cattle ready. And Abraham's like, where are we going? He's like, just get them ready. And what he tells Abraham is mind-blowing. He says, as you pack up your family, leave this country. I'm going to send you to a place unknown to you. What does Abraham do? Heck no. You're crazy. I ain't going to go. No. You know what Abraham does? And take a guess, packs up his bags, grabs his family, grabs his cattle, takes a big old trip to a place he knows nothing of. He's like, I don't even know where, which way I'm going. I'm going north, south, east. Lord's like, just walk. I'll direct your steps. He's like, Shh. can I tell you something? You don't do that. You don't do what Abraham did. I need you to catch this. Unless you believe in a dream that God has given you. You don't do things like that. When I was in Ohio, one of the greatest stories that I've ever heard 
was Pastor David Barlock, the elder of our fellowship, the founder of Christian Life Mission. When he shared our story as a young 20-something-year-old, he looked at his wife with his firstborn, a gringo from Ohio, didn't know one word in Spanish, didn't know the Puerto Rican culture. And he looked at his wife one morning and he says, we've got to sell the business. She's like, what? You're crazy. He's like, we've got to sell the business. They were well off. She came from a rich family. And he had a successful business that was growing. They were well off in Ohio. And he said, no, we've got to go. God spoke to me last night. We're going to a place called Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Are you crazy? Like, just let's go. Packed up his bag, packed up his wife, packed up his company later, threw that, threw that, out, the threw that out in the garbage. Went and lived in a little shack on top of a storefront, which his story is hilarious. Here's this mighty man of God. You could just picture him in his early days as a gringo. Now he speaks better Spanish than most of us in here. And 30 plus years ago, they're banging loud music. His son is dying in the bed next to his wife, and they live in a little room because there's bat dung that is getting his son sick. And he's on top of the market in Puerto Rico with Spanish music that his wife is just piercing her soul. Her son is dying, her firstborn before him, because there's caca from a bat that is getting him sick. And she looks at her husband and says, listen to me, man. You said that God brought us here. Either we do better do something now, or I'm leaving you and I'm taking my son out of here. You know what David did? He got on his knees and says, Lord, I know you told me to come to Puerto Rico. My wife is about to walk out on me because she's miserable. My son's dying, and we live in this place that till 4 or 5 in the morning, they're playing this Spanish music that is driving us nuts. God, from one prayer to another day, brought a revival in a small church of eight people, exploded it. 30-plus years later, we have about 50 churches, 40 pastors all over, and God is doing great things. Let me tell you something. You don't do something like that unless God has given you a dream. Because you know what people like that are called? Crazy. You're crazy. You're rich. You live in a castle in Ohio. Your kids have it all. Nah. But God told me to, God told me to go. People from the outside look at you and say what? You're crazy. You're nuts. You're stupid. But you know what people like that say? But I have a dream. I have a vision. And that you can't take away from my heart. Can you imagine if we looked at life like that? If it changes your attitude in that way, if it changes your marriage because your attitude changes, if it changes your parenthood because your attitude changes, if it changes your attitude during work because, you're, you're, the, because of the vision that's inside of you. Man, another person that you can think of is Isaiah in a dark time in Jerusalem. Isaiah is given a vision of God's temple, angels worshiping God. And then he heard the voice of the Lord, and he says, Isaiah, yeah? Whom shall I send? Isaiah, in chapter 6, who will go for us? And Isaiah says this, well, here I am, Lord, send me. Shoot, I'll go. Send me. And then the Lord looks at Isaiah and says, good, go, go, and say to these people, bam, 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 all these things. I love that scripture. Let me tell you why I love that scripture, because all of us get so pumped up about that scripture. Yeah, send me, Lord, send me. Yeah, here I am, Lord. But what we don't realize is what happened with Isaiah. Isaiah went from Isaiah 6.5 to, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. To so three verses later, here I am, Lord, send me. Can I tell you what makes 
someone go through something like that so quick? It's when you get a vision from God. Isaiah went from, not me, Lord, I'm lost, and I'm unclean, and I come from unclean people. I pretty much stink, Lord. I can never be used. Three verses later, he has the most bipolar experience anyone could ever have, and he says, here I am, send me. I can do it. Why can you do it in verse 5 when you weren't able to do it in verse 3? And Isaiah stands up and says, because I have a dream now. And three verses ago, I did not have a dream. Let me tell you something. If you get a dream, it'll change you that fast. I mean, just study the scripture for yourself. In Isaiah, he just went from verse 5 to verse 8. I can't do this. I'm rotting and I stink and I smell and I can't even speak right. To Lord, here I am. Send me. Individuals like these had a dream in them, shaped their attitude to believe what Romans 4.17 says, that it's in God, the one who calls into existence the things that do not exist. They were able to change their attitudes. They had the faith to believe in the things that are not as if they were. Do you have that attitude today? My son never. No, no, no. Start saying your son will. My job will never. No, start saying your job. Start confessing something positive because the Bible says that your tongue has the power to either edify or to kill. Begin to speak something. Let it shape your attitude. Have a dream and have a vision and see what might happen to you tomorrow. And I'm here to tell you that we serve a God that is willing and that is able to call into existence the things that don't even exist. They were able to change their attitudes they had the faith to believe in the things that are not as if they were. So I say with the same attitude, with the same passion, church, have a dream. Catch a vision. Let, let it change your attitude. Let it change how you see things. Let it grow your faith. Because when you have the right attitude, because you have the right awareness, which changes the, you into the right attitude, guess what's going to happen? Three, number three. You're going to begin to have what? To live out and have the right actions. Number three. What do you mean by the right action? The courage to do. The courage to do. You've ever met someone that's just scared? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I can't do that. No, 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 no. Just don't call on me. No, 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 no. Please don't. Ever met a Christian like that? Hey, we're going to go evangelize. No, 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 no. I'll just stand next to you. You go preach to them. I don't know what to say. Just tell them in the eyes. Jesus loves you. Just walk away. Shut up. No, 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 no. I love those people because those are the ones that will say this. I'll just intercede as you, as you evangelize. I'll stay behind. I'll pray for you, Father. <laughs> you know, you're not praying. You're just like, oh, I don't know how he's doing it. But when you get the right vision, shapes your attitude, you begin to have the courage to do, man. When you're aware of your dream, begins to change that character and that attitude and how you see life, it will do nothing else but cause you to live it out, to take action to that dream. So I'm almost ending now. I'm going to ask Tito probably to come and jam. Number three, action. What's action? The courage to do. You know, Joseph, the son of Jacob, he had a dream. You guys know the story of Joseph? That guy was crazy. I love sharing with him. I share it with him. My students, I share it with him all the time. I love Joseph. He was nuts. Joseph was crazy. Little kid, big brothers. He's like, you guys are going to all worship me. He's like, shut up, little snot. 
He had a dream that he's going to be great one day. He saw it. He saw it. Listen, he saw it. You can't take that away from him. He literally had a dream. One day he was in a dream, and God said, you see this around you? Watch this. And they all began to bow down to him. And he was like, yeah, I could get used to this. He was a little prideful in the beginning. He was young. He had to learn. God allowed him to learn. Don't worry. He, went, he put him through some stuff. But he's like, I could do this. I could have mom and dad worship me. Seems pretty good. I'm not cleaning no more dishes now, baby. <laughs> Joseph, come and clean the dishes. In my dream, you worship me. So you go clean your own dishes. Can you imagine that at home? Let me tell you, it got to that point. Maybe not to those details, but it got to that point because one day they're eating dinner. He's like, hey, brothers, dad, I had a dream. And they're like, really, son, tell us your dream, you little dreamer. He's like, man, summarizing for you so you guys could get it because if I get into all the details and all. He's like, I was there standing in the midst. And guess what, mom and dad, it started with you two. You guys got all on your knees and he began to worship me. And, and, and then now you can see the brothers getting mad. Oh, how dare you say that mom and dad are going to begin to worship. He goes, but wait, shh. It doesn't end there. And he looks at all his brothers in the table. But all of you guys too, along with mom and dad, you all get on your knees and you begin to cry out to me and you begin to almost worship me as well. And now that dinner table, food starts flying, curse words start flaring. Mom and dad are like, shut up, kids, behave. And, 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 and you almost see mom saying, Joseph, go to your room. I'm going to talk to you in a few minutes. You could almost see all that happen in Joseph's life, right? Joseph had a, had a dream. He would be great. His name would be known. Who would have thought all those good things about Joseph? After almost being killed, thrown into a pit, sold as a slave, accused of rape, then imprisoned. Many things happened to Joseph after he had that dream. It didn't happen right away. He had a dream. He's like, everyone worship me. And God's like, oh, so immature. I gave you a dream. But just relax. Don't have the wrong heart, don't have the wrong heart and the wrong attitude about it. Just relax. What happened was the Lord had to shape him up a little bit. And many things happened to him after he had that dream. But you know one thing that never changed in him? You know what it was? The dream. He was in a pit one day. Help! Help! And in that pit, you could almost see Joseph saying, this pit's not my end because I had a dream. And this pit wasn't in my dream. Next thing you know, one of his brothers being kind says, come on, I'm going to help you out. He gets up. He's like, brothers, let's not kill him. Then his blood is in our hands. They looked up and says, how about those guys over there? Let's sell him so as a slave. Poor Joseph gets stripped from his family for good. He's walking with the slaves to Egypt. Help! Help! And as he's walking, you could almost picture Joseph doing what? Wait a minute. This wasn't in my dream. I wasn't called to be a slave. So guess what happens? The slaves saw him to Potiphar a very famous, well-known, powerful official in Egypt. He gets into this house of the official. He's doing a great job. As a matter of fact, he got elevated to the most successful job in that house. But one day, he was a good-looking man. His wife looked at him and said, man, that guy Joseph looks good. She tried to rape him, not him rape her. <laughs> Joseph runs out butt naked. This lady's crazy. And then the lady says, he just raped me. Joseph gets thrown into prison. You know what Joseph does in prison? This wasn't in my vision. This wasn't in my dream. I'm called to be great. I wasn't called to be a rapist, thrown into a pit, or a slave, or a prisoner. I've called to be great. 
my name was going to be lifted up among nations. Through every trial, he remembered his dream. One day, he hears people talking about a dream. He's like, hey, I think I can interpret that dream for you. It means this. Wow. He does so well at it that one day, none other than Pharaoh has a dream. He says, Pharaoh, I could help you out. I know what your dream means. Pharaoh's like, bro, you're pretty awesome. Takes him out of prison, sits as the prime minister, second in charge of the mightiest nation in the world called Egypt, Joseph. And finally, he starts to what? Starts to see his dream come to pass. Pharaoh starts walking him around the palace and says, here's your room. There's your fun time. Here's your kitchen. Here's your throne. Here's your palace. Here's all the laws. You make all the laws you want. It's all yours. And for the first time, Joseph sits on his throne as second in charge, and you almost sense this right here. I'm living. I'm living my dream. I got to my dream. I finally get to walk in my dream. God uses him so much that he ends up saving the whole nation of Egypt, even the Jewish people. Saves them so much that they come to live in Egypt and populate and become mighty. Can I share something with you? Vision never becomes a reality without action. You have a vision? You have a dream? God put something in you? Lined up with the word? You know it's from God? Here it is. What are you waiting for? Come on, what are you waiting for? David, Goliath, he knew who he was. You know why David knew who he was? Because he remembered being anointed by the prophet. He remembered being anointed by Samuel. Hey, I remember that oil. I remember that prayer. He said I was going to be the next king of Israel. David, little boy. And he's standing with the armies of Israel, and there's this big old giant. Come on, Israel. Come and die. And David's there with food in his hand, says, something's wrong here. I know what God has called this nation to. And I know what God has called me to. And I love David, and I love his story. Because he wasn't going to back down from any fight. Everything was working against David's favor. The Philistine was the world-known undefeated champion by the name of Goliath. His brothers were calling him crazy to go back home because, David, this is not for you. It's not a battle for you to pick. His very own king by the name of Saul, who he looked up to since a child, looked at him and said, you're a fool, and you're foolish for trying to take such a task. But listen, church, when everything was going against David, he had one thing going for him that no one was going to take from him, and that was his dream. And that was the dream that God had given him to be a great and mighty warrior and a king over Israel. And today I say, church, catch the dream today. Dream big today. Let the Lord speak to you today. Be aware of it. Let it shape your person. Then take the step. Take action towards that dream. And then you could be like Paul and look like a king, look at a king like Agrippa and look at individuals and look at this world and say, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. I have a dream. I have a dream. I hope you could do that. I really do. Stop living, defeated. Stop living, neglected. Stop living, whichever way, fill in the blanks. Be aware. Let it shape your attitude.
Take action. Dream big. Dream big, and you'll achieve big. How many of you could say amen? It's time that we begin to change our dreams. It's time that we begin to change our insight. What is the Lord saying to me? Can you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you. You're a good God. You're worthy. And we praise you. Let this church dream big. Because, Lord, the dreams have the potential to influence our reality. And I don't want to live destroyed and defeated, miserable. I want to live, even through hardships like Paul, victorious, joyous. That through all things, in all things, I could do them all. Through Christ Jesus, my strength, my hope. Lord, I pray that we would not be a people without vision. Scripture says we perish. But that we would be a people that live in dreams and vision. That when others say, what is it and how is it that you do it? That we're able to look at them and say, you have no idea. I have a dream that God has given me. As every eye is closed, all around here today, if you're sitting, whatever it is, I want you to do this. If you know today that that was for you. And God is calling you to dream and to catch that dream, to catch that word, to catch that revelation, that vision in your life. If you're tired of being led astray, you're tired of being influenced by the way you think of yourself and it's not a good thing, it's been a negative thing, and you want to start changing those things in Christ Jesus, and you want to say, Lord, it's me. Cause me to dream your dreams. Let me read your word and give me a vision in you. If that's you today with boldness in you, nothing in you that's timid or scared, I want to pray together with you. And right there where you're sitting, you don't need to come up. You don't need to even bother someone next to you by saying, excuse me. But if that's you, can you get on your feet? Can you stand with me and say, I'm going to be committed. And I'm going to come before the presence of God. And I'm going to cry out, Lord, I want a dream to be instilled in my heart that would change my attitude and even my actions. If there's anyone here as we get ready to pray together, can you lift up your body? Can you lift up your heart? Can you lift up your words before the Lord and say, Lord, it's me. Cause me to dream. Cause me to be aware. Cause me to have the right attitude to take action. If you stood up, say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for your word. I pray today that you would put vision, dream, that, Lord, revelation would be deeply rooted in me. As I read your word and dwell in your presence, that you would shape me to who you have called me to be that I would be aware of it that my attitude would be transformed and that I will walk in it and live out to the call to the vision 
that you have placed over me. I believe it and I declare it over my life. Help me to deal with those who come against me. Let me stand in victory through persecution. Let me stand and trust in the dream that you have given me. I believe that today. Cover me with your blood, with your presence. In Jesus' name. Right there, can you give God some praise? Amen. Amen.